Ladies, Roll them! That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, brought to you by Butt Drugs and Eugenics, and she'll like it too. It's another edition of, wait for it, the Mike and Molson Too Good for Radio podcast. Yay! Man, the most enthusiastic I've ever heard you about this show. I, no one should be that enthusiastic about no. this show. It may have been the fact that I just like pounded like three espressos because that's what you do before a podcast and get get hyped for everybody. But we're glad you're here. Yes, yes. Uh, if you recall back in the day when we were actually on the radio and became much too good for it and mm-hmm. too entertaining because you listen to radio anymore, there's no real entertainment value they to just, it. They yeah. just redirect you to the podcast. Right. That's what they that's do. That's where they put us. So we cut out the middleman. We used to do a thing called Monkey Monday. Mm-hmm. So we have not really touched a lot of monkey stories in the Too Good for Radio podcast. So when I saw this story come up, I felt necessary that we needed to address it. Okay. It comes to us from the Great White North up in Canada, where at the Toronto Zoo, there is an issue with one of their gorillas, Nasur. Apparently, visitors there go up to the glass of the enclosure of the gorillas, pull out their cell phones, and start showing videos on their cell phones to this particular gorilla. Do we know what the videos are? Just just videos, just saying, hey, look yeah. at this video. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if they're pulling up other videos of gorillas or right. chimpanzees. They don't get into the specifics of what videos are being pulled. Now, normally you would see someone pull out their camera to record the gorilla, but a couple individuals started showing him videos, and he was so engrossed that it was causing him to be distracted and not interacting with the other gorillas. <laughs> that he would just come out of the he would come out of the backstage area to the enclosure, immediately go to the glass and kind of pound on it, and be like, "Hey, I want I want the vids. Where's my TikTok? <laughs> Where's my TikToks, man? Where's my YouTube's?" So yeah. he's becoming so dependent upon it that. Um, they had to put a sign up now on the enclosure saying, hey, please don't show Nasser and the gorillas your videos. Yeah. We, we have to limit his screen, his screen time. Yeah, it's, it's just as addictive to gorillas as it is to you. Correct. Why do you think it's going to be any different? And do you, do you think he would it's be like, like throwing him a pack of cigarettes? <laughs> do you think... Do you think I, w- I would like? I'd like to see a video of him watching the videos of like. Does he get bored? How does he say go to the next one? Yeah. Is there a way for him to say skip? Does it like pound on the glass? Not like boring. Seen it before. Need the next one. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the biggest question I have is is what is he watching that's getting him so engrossed? You know, and it could be anything. It could be a, it could be a cricket match from the West Indies, <laughs> and it could be I mean it's just whatever that he's. I want to say in my mind, I want to say it's fail videos. Yeah. I want to say that Nasser really loves dumb, like, actual humans going like, idiot humans. Mm-hmm. Look at them walking around their two legs, thinking they're all high and mighty. Ridiculous. They're yeah. falling all over the place. That's what I want it to be. No, see, I think, no, I, I want to say it's going to be more erudite than that. He's going to be watching, like, a, a an eclectic Pink Floyd concert. <laughs> He's really, he's really into them timing out. Yeah. What was it, Alice in Wonderland with right. Pink Wh- Floyd's The Wall Oz, yeah. or whatever, or Wizard of Oz? Yeah, yeah, with the wall. I think that's what it. Maybe what I, I it just, is. I see, I, I see gorillas as like a big Roger Waters fan. That's just that's where I'm thinking. I'm, just, I'm thinking <laughs> they love Pink Flamingos. Yeah, I'd ah, be fan. Oh, no, no, that's that's different waters. Pink Floyd is what. Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, about. yeah. The other waters is not Roger Waters. <laughs> Who's the waters that directed that one? Oh, the. Uh, uh, um, 
John John Waters. Yes, yes, yeah. different waters. Same pink, pink in the name, different waters. But it may wow. be, but maybe the gorilla is watching Pink Flamingos. God. Who speaking, knows? For speaking certain. of a couple of gorillas on social media, <laughs> yeah, that shouldn't yeah. be talking. <laughs> right. Speaking Jeez. of Pink Flamingos, that'll Idiots. lead us into this next story about awkward movies to watch with your parents. Oh yeah, because that definitely made this list from Ranker.com. Has there ever been a situation? For you, where there was a movie you were watching, maybe as a parent, because you've had that experience. I'm, I'm not a parent. As a parent that you watch, were watching with your kids, or when you were a kid watching with your parents, you go, yeah, maybe we should not have picked this one to watch as a family. Well, and you and I grew up in the 80s when, for some reason, there just needed to be a topless scene. There was a lot of that. There was, just, I mean, you, you pick any movie from the '80s, and for no apparent reason, just like an establishing shot or yes. something, it's like right at the beginning, right after the credits are done, a woman <laughs> just gets into a shower or just changes her. Sh- I mean, it's like it, it, it adds nothing to the story. It no. does not need to be there at all. Even uh, the movie but it was really prevalent. The innocuous movie of Mannequin, I still think, had a boob in it. Probably so. Because I mean, and it's like you're watching this comedy about this guy was a mannequin come to life. You're you're like, oh, there's a boob. But I do remember, I think I was in middle school or something. and uh, Oh, that, yeah. Yeah, and watching something, and my dad's watching. It was on cable. Um, and again, it adds nothing to the movie. It's like, here's a scene of sex. you know. And it wasn't, I mean, it was you know one of those 20-second things and you know bouncing and jiggling. Uh, and uh, man, my dad got upset. Uh, and flipped the channel. And, you know, it just, it, it, first of all, it startled me that I'm watching, you know, boobs with my dad. That right. was that was that was already. <laughs> By and the then, way, check out that other podcast yeah, we boobs have. Boobs with my dad. <laughs> As we go back and talk about the first time you saw boobs with your dad, then it's my dad mad, and that that was unsettling. And uh, it's like, I guess I'm not going to see how this movie ends. Um, <laughs> and so we just kind of sat there in awkward silence. I mean, and he stormed off into another room and just sat there. Awkwardly silent, and he he finally came back in about 10, 15 minutes later. And he was like, "I'm sorry, I you're probably old enough, and it's not that big of a deal." It's like, well, I've already missed twenty minutes of the movie, so it's like, Dad's never ne- mind. Dads never know a way to make it better. Yeah. They always make it worse. Whatever they explain, anything like that. Yeah, there's like, no way to make it better. It's like, dude, I'm just I'm just waiting for you to go to bed so I can turn on Cinemax. <laughs> right. You won't you won't believe what they have on KG three <laughs> later on tonight. Uh, it's it's funny you mention about the random boobness and just kind of the the baboons and gorillas that that men are. We were watching one of the under siege. So it was military class. For those who don't know, I went to an all boys military high school, and it was a military class towards the end of the year. And so Sergeant Kinlock decided under siege two would be good viewing <laughs> instead of actually teaching a class. And at one point in that movie. There is a situation to where one of the characters, she jumps out of a cake topless. So, of course, you have a bunch of horned up 17, 18-year-olds in a classroom, and a boob shows up on screen. Everyone's like, like, it's just like, like they, and, and so he's got to, like, stop the movie and be yeah. like, would you stop acting right. like idiots? Like, seriously, just take a deep breath. It's only <laughs> on for, like, five seconds. I was like, oh, my God, can you believe we saw a boob in military yeah. class? Well, yeah, and it's it's like, it's like communal boob. So, yes, I mean, every, right. you're it's, share, even, it's a shared boob moment. Shared boob experience. The other one that I remember, and I th- I want to say we were watching Grease. Okay. Right. Yeah, right. You're, you're wondering what could possibly go wrong. And and my, here's my recollection. Okay. 
It didn't make this list, by the way, no. The, the, the greasers are all talking to each other. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Hey, whatever. And I think John Travolta says, I'm going to go over and pick up a slice of pizza. And my dad lost it. Over pizza? And I don't know if that was code for something back in the 50s that I didn't know about. <laughs> I mean, he reacted like he just said the most offensive sexual thing. That that was the reaction he had. Uh, and it was something benign like... Let's what? let's go get a slice. Uh, and and for some reason he lost uh, his mind. He was mad. I can't believe they would show this on television. Click click click, and then the TV goes off and everything. And I mean, to this day, no clue what that was about. So if somebody out there is old and remembers there being some sort of a sexual reference about getting a slice, slice of, of pizza. pizza. Cut me that, off a slice of that. Which really like meant, too. yeah, I'm gonna get my hand on some. Wah, wah. Heyo. The, the most awkward time for me, though, as far as with parents, was I went to see Chasing Amy. Mm-hmm. So my mom had seen Mallrats. My mom, God bless her, she tried to remain as hip as she could be. And so she watched Mallrats. And there's some language in that, obviously. It's a Kevin Smith film. And Clerks even has mm-hmm. some stuff in it. So we went to go see Chasing Amy. And when they start comparing sexual injuries <laughs> in detail, very awkward. Probably shouldn't have been viewed. Uh, as far as the list goes on here, there's some that you would going into it you shouldn't like Fifty Shades of Grey. Who's well, watching yeah, that? Who's watching sh- that with their parent? Yeah. Eyes wide. Come on sh- in, kids. Eyes wide shut. Makes sense of like parents could be like, oh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. I want to watch that movie. <laughs> Not great. I, I mean, again, you should see that one coming. Right. <laughs> and she'll like it too. Basic Instinct. Another one you should never watch right. with your parents. Showgirls. Probably should have known that. Boogie Nights. All these are ones that you probably should have known going in. None of these are movies that you're going to accidentally watch. The one that the one that maybe is is American Pie. Mm-hmm. That it seems innocuous enough of like, oh, it's one of those kind of comedies. But I think even going in, you know that it's for more youthful people than it is for your parents. There is Showgirls also made this list. Yeah, too. I mean that, 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 that you didn't watch it. But one that I will point to, and I, it was either Pretty in Pink. Or 16 Candles. Oh, that's right. Where there is just, again, a shower scene. Has nothing Nothing. to do with anything. But it was just John Hughes saying, here's some boobs. (laughs) Well, that's what I think it was in the contract of everyone. now it's PG-13. (laughs) Ta-da! It's an 80s movie. It's uh, in our contract. You have to have boobs. I would love to see somebody plot that out on a graph. Because I I know that somewhere around 1982 to about 1994, there was just... Yeah, there was just... How much random breast was there in movies? Even in Halloween, yeah. there was the random boob. Yes, and it's like that didn't need to be in that oh, particular oh, oh, movie. Yeah. I mean, look, horror movies were notorious yes. for that. Oh, there was always a that teen was a sex whole scene. That was a whole cottage industry for oh, yeah. the for horror movies in the eighties, right? Wasn't it mm-hmm. like the Slumber Party Massacre and like? Oh yeah, you're, uh, ever since Hitchcock, I mean, it's like yeah, you're going to get killed in a shower, shower or you're something get, like killed having sex. You're going to just yeah, anytime you take your shirt off, the the killer is going to come through the door. That that he is, that he is. Uh, speaking of body count, yes. uh, on on that particular point. This struck me here in the Mike and Molson Too Good for Radio podcast that the United States Postal Service, how many, how many packages of unidentified cremated remains do you think <laughs> the Postal Service still has in their possession? Unidentified packages of cremated remains. Yes. It shouldn't be more than one. How, what if I were to tell you that currently the USPS is trying to get 452 packages of unidentified cremated remains to their final destination. 
I mean, isn't that something you want? I mean, when you're expecting something from Amazon, you kind of keep an eye on the mailbox and go, oh, yeah, oh, good, here it is. If it's remains that are, for some reason, being mailed to you, yes. don't you keep an eye out for that? You would think. They say, don't you get a tracking number? <laughs> I would hope so. And don't you then start to question, be like, hey, where are they? At? But these actually, they still have in their possession. Uh, they say, though USPS is the only legal method for sending cremated remains through the mail, the inspector general found that strict shipping rules are not being followed between 28 and 50% of the time. Overlooking these rules could be a major reason hundreds of cremated remains are currently resting at Lost Package Warehouse, officially known as the Mail Recovery Center. Oh, so it sounds like somebody didn't fill out the proper form or somebody... Eligible addresses are often another big reason behind the wayward packages. Mm-hmm. Because ad- you're crying while you're filling out the form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of the unidentified or undeliverable ashes have remained in limbo for years. Among the 452 remains is one that's been with the United States Postal Service since February 24th, 2015. It's probably okay to get rid of that. Is it, though? Isn't that bad juju? But if here's somebody, the thing. If somebody didn't come looking for it, it's like, all right, get all, the dust buster. And does it, but that was, that doesn't, isn't that kind of sad? I don't know. That you're... That you, it's, it's sad that somebody forgot you in the mail. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yes. Eight years of someone forgetting your remains. To your point, people get so excited about Amazon Prime deliveries, yeah. but Granny's Granny's ashes, they don't give a crap about. Yeah. I was I was like four days late picking up some shirts from the cleaners, and I was like, oh my God, shirts. I forgot. I should go get those. Uh, you, don't, you, don't mean, you don't forget remains. By the way, are they sending them to out-of-state relatives? Like, shouldn't that be something that if if you're there for the funeral festivities that should be given to you on site? What do you go, you know what, I got a lot of carry-on. I don't don't have the weight for grandma's ashes. I don't want to pay the extra overage on my baggage. Just mail it to me. I mean, if grandma lives in Omaha and she wanted her ashes to be in Oregon or whatever, and, and they have to get them there somehow... I don't know, man. You get on a bus with them or you, 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 you're handcuffed to them on a plane, you know, like a secret agent. Something. Do you, you, have know, to, you, you don't, you don't, just, you don't no. just drop them in a mailbox. You put them like the nuclear codes. You just handcuff them in a, you know, you put them there. You handcuff yourself to what them. What is that like? And it's, then, your, it's your grandmother. You just, you just drop it in a blue box. Clunk. Let's hope it gets to Aunt right. Pearl. Hope she it all, gets there. Hope it gets there. I mean, she didn't receive her birthday card before she croaked, Jeez. but let's hope her ashes get to where they need to be. You open the door again and look in, make sure it slid down. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, maybe they do it by air, and if they do, you got to make sure that the weight is okay on the particular plane. This is always a big discussion, um, and I've been on some smaller flights out of Springfield, where it's like, okay, we got to kind of redistribute, and uh, you know, which is always kind of unsettling. You just yeah. you, you figure the plane can can handle it. Um, but in uh, in this instance, this was uh, out in Liverpool at John Lennon International Airport. Oh, okay. Um, flight what are you was doing over there. Flight was delayed um, because the flight was overweight, and they needed at least nineteen. Fatties, good to lord, get, to get off the plane. Nineteen um, people. How freaking overweight was this or, plane? Or then? they couldn't, or they couldn't go. Um, that is the worst feeling I would imagine. And so they're everyone's on the plane, right? So it wasn't, it wasn't kind of, it wasn't like you're sitting there in the in the green and say, hey, we got it, we got to make some decisions here, uh, looking for some volunteers. Everyone's on the plane, and Ringo gets on over the speaker. <laughs> May I have your attention, please? 
Why need somebody to get off the plane? The plane's a little bit too heavy and we're not going to make it out of Liverpool. You're a little bit too the fatty waddy. <laughs> Um, so did they ask for volunteers or was it one of those things of they did yeah so okay. the flight crew got on volunteer. the flight crew got on and said thank you for getting here today because there are so many of you it's a pretty heavy aircraft <laughs> so I'm sorry but there's a lot of fat on this plane safety is our number one priority and there's no way with the current wind conditions we can get this plane in the air <gasps> no no, it's not that even the wind conditions. <laughs> no, we just can't. You had too many of your fish and chips, you big fat bloke. I think you know who you are. <laughs> you're bloody fatty. Um, if, you, if you're looking next to the person and the person is sort of uh, going into your own seat, that's probably the person that's too fat to be on here. If you find yourself squeezing against the window, you're probably next to one of the people that's going to be asked off the plane. So the flight attendant has to say, Oh! Now you might be wondering what happens next, and uh, what I've come here to say. I've spoken with our operations team, and one way to solve the problem with a heavy aircraft is to make it slightly lighter. If possible, we'd need about 20 volunteers to to choose not to fly tonight. Or we're all going down. Oh, God. Because um, then you got to get your bags off, too. And that was kind of the, the thing. So it's 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 9 o'clock at night. It's the last oh, flight no! uh, to get to Liverpool. And people are going, I want to go home. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, you had a lot of very stubborn Brits going, I'm not getting off. Not me. Mm-mm. Listen here, Governor. I've paid all my money to be here, all these pounds. I don't care about the pounds of the plane, you see? Why'd I break into like a 1920s radio announcer? Uh, EasyJet can confirm 19 passengers uh, volunteered to travel on a later flight as the result of their own weight. How much do they have to pay you for you to get off the plane at that point? Wouldn't it be awful if... Oh, if 19 people leaving is still too heavy? <laughs> well, no, I was, I was thinking the opposite of uh, like about eight people get off and just as you cross onto the jetway, people go, oh, that's good. We're fine. We're fine now. We, that, we're, we that, didn't was, need that was the one. That, we, oh, that was God. you. It was you. You were the one <laughs> you person. You were tipping the scales. Well, thankfully, at least they asked for volunteers yeah. rather than like going through the cabin being like, uh, right. you need to go off. With a, you need, yeah. Putting a measuring tape around people. We're going to measure your BMI right now. I'm yeah. oh, sorry. You're yeah. off. I think you're going to have to get off the plane. Yeah, a little, you're a little <laughs> too chunky for this plane. <laughs> you got to make sure you're getting off the plane for us. Well, one thing we t- learned about in this Too Good for Radio podcast in a past episode is that when on a plane, you need to fart more. Right? Oh, yeah, Remember? right, we, right, yeah, right. We, we, yeah. And, and in fact, there was a debate that transpired. Well, not really a debate. It was an interview with RFK, who, Jr., who is a quote-unquote presidential, presidential candidate. candidate. And, and he was at a press conference, or, or what happened here? Yeah, um, he was at an affair uh, in New York, uh, hoping to impress uh, people there and, uh, and, and get some, raise some funds. Um, but somebody mentioned climate change. And, okay. and people start get, getting upset. So a shouting match starts breaking out. Somebody says the word climate change and people are triggered. Uh, and these two old men start. <laughs> wait a minute. We're not there yet. Okay. <laughs> these two old men uh, start, to, start to argue with each other. Okay. Um, it began after a guest asked Kennedy um, about the environment. And it seems that mere inquiry set off a drunk gossip columnist named Doug Detchert, um, who became enraged and jumps up and says, the climate hoax. Meanwhile, art critic Anthony Hayden Guest, who appeared to have been sleeping through the day, <laughs> Good Lord. wakes up 
and says, you're a miserable mob. Shut up. Hayden Guest tells us he was not asleep. I was just thinking, which, you know, we pulled that one. Yeah. Oh, God. What are you, my dad? Yeah. Uh, Just resting my eyes. Detchert continues to scream wildly about the climate change scam, while Hayden Guest peppers him with verbal volleys across the table, calling him uh, effing insane and insignificant. All right, so one guy's calling it a hoax. The the drunk, one guy calling it a hoax. The guy who woke up said, you're nuts. It's not right. a hoax. Okay. Correct. Or just saying, you know, yeah, shut right, your right, mouth. Shut you're, your you're mouth. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. We you're don't want to hear you. Yeah. This is when Detchert decides, I need a new debate tactic here, stands up and begins to fart to such <laughs> Uh, to such a degree that it just it just kept going. It was one of those really just long lasting. Okay. Uh, and to make sure we all knew what he was doing, <laughs> something along those lines. Yeah. He underscores it by yelling, "I'm farting!" <laughs> if you're that loud, shouldn't people already know that you're farting? Uh, the room included a handful of journalists, as as well as Kennedy's campaign manager, uh, who was stunned, seemingly unsure about whether Detchert was farting at Hayden Guest or at the very notion of global warming. Either way, he's I'll show to- you some CO2. <laughs> Methane is not a problem. Uh, the candidate maintained a steady composure in the face of the crisis, uh, and managed to change the subject. Somehow, it all got back onto the climate. Okay, thank um, God. And uh, apparently then uh, a couple days later, Detchert says, uh, I apologize for using my flatulence as a medium of public commentary in your presence. (laughs) That's a great, that is a great tactic, though. When in doubt and you're flummoxed, just let one rip. Right. Because it's going to reset everything. That is for certain. It does change the topic. It really does. Speaking of resetting things, Mm -hmm. we move now to South Carolina. Here's um, when it comes to proposals, I know everyone has their own way of going about it, but I would think you, you may be a little nervous, right? You, you kind of know which way it's going to go, but try not to propose somewhere where the if something were to slightly go awry, the ring is totally lost. Because mm-hmm. this, this guy is proposing to his girlfriend on a beach in South Carolina, okay? Somehow, the ring gets dropped. And now, all of a sudden, you're looking for this ring in all the sand at a beach. Yeah. So the guy, news. So the guy waved down officers, explained he dropped the ring in the sand while trying to propose to his girlfriend. Officers, including a canine named Goggles, <laughs> searched for the ring but couldn't find it. There was a teen who was visiting his family using a metal detector. All right? So... And to me, nothing says, and I'm, pardon me if I'm casting aspersions on people, but nothing says nerd quite like someone on a beach with a metal detector, right? We've seen enough 80s movies that showed us random boob, but also the guy with the metal detector usually has sandals and socks on yeah. and like the zinc spread, spread on his nose, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, a total porn dexter. So this kid has a metal detector, they wave him over, and he finds the ring in less than a minute. And everyone's like, yay, what, what can we do for you, kind, young, teenage boy who had the metal detector? What can we do for you to, because to, you found this ring to get us back, to make us happy once again? What does he want? He asked the couple for one thing after finding the ring. 
If they have a son, the teen said he wants them to name the child after him. <laughs> I thought he was going to ask for money. Is it a bridge too far? It is. I mean, yes, you helped them out tremendously because goggles couldn't find it. The cops couldn't find it. It was basically lost forever. Yeah. Your metal detector, you happen to be the right place at the right time. But to go and say, you must name your firstborn after me since I found your ring. I mean, I hope he was holding it ransom and said, I I need you to sign this contract right now that says on the day of the birth of your firstborn, first of all, I get the firstborn and then your nextborn is named after me. I just felt like that's a bridge too far. Like, I I understand you saved the day, but at the same token, sir... You just happen to be at the right place at the right time. I don't know if that constitutes naming the firstborn after you. Man, it is. It's something when you see those old coots on the beaches, yes. and they and their skin is like maroon. You know, they've been in the sun so long. Yes. It's just it's maroon and leathery, uh, and they're they're walking up and down, and they've got and they're scanning. What could they? I mean, maybe once in a while you get <laughs> something, but I can't imagine the effort is the, e- equates. The get. Yeah, the work is not worth the reward no. when it comes to that. Like, unless you're an old guy who used to, like, find mines mm-hmm. back in the day, like on the battlefields, and you just, it's instinct. But, yeah, maybe a couple nickels here and there. Yeah. Maybe maybe every once in a while, this particular situation to where you can ask someone for their firstborn. <laughs> and finally, here on the Mike and Molson Too Good for Radio podcast, this couple has three children. A story out of New Jersey. Jane Lewis is her name. And here's what transpired. Last month, Jane checked her husband's phone with his permission. As she was going through the phone, Uh she found a string of messages. Now, they've been together, married for six years. They have three children. She finds a string of messages from the start of their relationship bragging to his friend about, quote, have you seen this? (laughs) No, but I think I know what's coming. About, quote, an ugly chick who wants me so bad. (laughs) I was afraid it was something like that. He told, it gets gets better. He, no, it gets actually worse because this guy's a total, but what do you do? You are six years into a marriage with children with this a-hole. He told his friends he hadn't, quote, effed her yet even though she'd do anything for him. He went on to describe how he just had to make out with her a little bit to keep her happy. Wow. The man sent the vile messages six years ago about the couple who went on to marry in 2021. However, Jane only found the messages this past month. Jane's husband described how he met this ugly chick at the grocery store where she worked at the time, saying he wouldn't do, uh, that she would do effing literally anything for him. He told his friend he moved in with Jane, but said he didn't find her attractive like the hot girls he sees all the time. Oh, my God. He then went on to say that he believed he could get any girl, but most hot chicks are stuck up anyway. Jane says she confronted her husband, who made the excuse that he was trying to make himself feel better at the time. I mean, yes. Obviously, there's some sort of male posturing going on, which is just gross in and of itself. But, oh, my Lord, that's a hard one to recover from. It is. And it's one of those things of now you question everything, right? There could be that turning. Like, obviously, maybe I'm going to give this a-hole 
a slight benefit of the doubt that something turned along the way, right? And he fell fully in head over heels in love with his beloved wife, who he has three children with now, and they've been together, you know, for six years and everything else. But now, in the back of your mind, if you're her, th- the whole relationship's built on a set right. of lies, right? How do, how do you continue on in this thing? Uh, the mother of three said her confidence has been shattered, and if she had found the messages earlier, she would have left him. Yeah. She explains, he said he felt bad about himself at the time and wanted to make himself feel better. I don't know how I'll move on from it. I'm hurt by it. If he asks me a question, I say, I'm not stupid. I'm just ugly. He calls me beautiful, but I don't believe him. It's not my confidence. I have ugly duckling syndrome. Oof. I always think I'm really bad looking. I would have left him if I found the messages in the beginning. I have to try to move past it. It's seven years later, and we're married. If it was someone else who found the messages, I would tell them to leave because I knew then what I know now. I wouldn't want to be with him. I wouldn't have stuck through so many things. What I, do you do in that I situation? Don't, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Of, I'm trying to think of a parallel. I mean, I've certainly never said anything like that about a woman. Listen to me, boast. <laughs> I've never been horrible to a woman. Right, exactly. What yeah. a high bar you just <laughs> cleared. Give me an award. And she'll like it, too, that you weren't a total jag bag. Eugenics. <laughs> but I can see some, like, I don't know, you might have a conversation with a friend and say, hey, I met this person, and we fooled around a little bit. I don't know if it's going to go anywhere. You know, right. maybe that. But just to say, yeah, she is a cow, but man, I can get her to do anything I want because she is a desperate uggo. Yeah, yeah, and if you—that uh, is bananas. But then, how do you pivot to? And you can, right? I mean, personality goes yeah, a long way. You, you can, but then why keep those messages around, right? I mean, that's just a constant reminder of you being a jackass to your current wife. Now, maybe he hasn't looked at those messages, and I would hope. Good God, it doesn't say, but I would hope the particular friend that he's texting wasn't in the wedding. Yeah, no kidding. Because. I mean, obviously, he hasn't texted with that person for six years, but how far back do you go? Like, she was going through his phone. How does she happen upon that? I mean, he let her do it. How does she happen upon those six-year-old text messages? Right. And and I guess guess that's kind of where my brain was going is, yeah, things evolve, and they finally obviously fell in love, and they've got a family. Uh but but yeah you you now you now know you're with somebody who would speak of a woman what? like it's just like it's, it's like, yeah it's just icky yeah you, you you question everything and then you go I'm raising kids with this individual who thought it was okay to say because in a, in moments to your point we all you know have conversations that we have with certain individuals where we go hey why don't you stop it. Right, like yeah. you, you get that text, and you go, dude, knock it off. Yeah. Like, what are you? That's not a that's not a brag. That's just being boastful and being an a hole. And you should know that, right? And just get rid of that or stop it, nip it in the bud. But apparently, this went on for a lot longer <laughs> than it should have. And I don't blame her for. But now you're kind of like, I have three kids, yeah. but you can't take anything he says on face value anymore. I'm going to put on my old man hat here. And you okay. know what I miss? You know what, what I miss? I'm going to put on my, I'm going to have my, my shorts miss? on, my black socks. I got sandals. Uh, you know what I miss? The good old days when we ran out of hard drive space and you had to start deleting shit right. from years ago. Yes. You couldn't keep everything. It didn't go up to the cloud anymore? Right now, it exists forever Everywhere. everywhere. There is more than enough room for everyone's conversation forever to exist forever. I, I think Somebody, somebody needs to say when you're born, you get, I don't know, one terabyte. 
And after that, you got to start deleting stuff. Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to we need to start treating text message and all that stuff like the fat plane. Right. You get, it's like oh, it. it's too heavy. You we got to make a sacrifice. Nineteen of these things have to go. You can't keep everything. You can't no. just keep keep getting more memory space because it's it's not good for anybody. No, it's not. We so, can't evolve like that. I hope this couple figures it out and so has too. a way to work through it. But man, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And you can't the the, the the excuse of well, I wanted to be better, uh, feel better about myself. So you're, so you just degrade somebody else to feel better uh, about yourself. I mean, yeah, Go some... watch Honey Boo Boo <laughs> or whatever the hell reality show. You want to feel better about yeah. yourself? Just watch a gathering of the Juggalos video on YouTube and go, "Hey, I'm not that." Yeah, there you go. Just off. Speak Arabic. Exactly. You know what? Just that's what I say about this guy. I'm farting. Don't worry, I'll be a little lighter. The plane will take off soon. I just got to lighten the load a little bit. Thank you, very, thank you very much for listening. And uh, if you take nothing else away from this podcast, take away this.